Welcome to the Biochar podcast presented by Antbig. Our podcast features experts speaking about biochar, how it's made, its uses and applications, and the impact it has socially, economically, and environmentally. Antbig is a not-for-profit industry group, and as a global leader in biochar, assists companies, governments, and institutions in the effective production and use of biochar. Antbig works to streamline education, research, collaboration, and the commercial uptake of biochar and wood vinegar. Our aim is to help create a more sustainable future, greater economic prosperity, job opportunities, and an improved quality of life for all of us. We hope you enjoy this episode. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm Don Coyne, the current CEO of ANZ uh, Biochar Industry Group, um, acronym ANSBIG. And I'm joined today by Zam Sagami, uh, our cluster manager. On today's episode, we will be discussing ANSBIG's code of practice currently being developed. Uh, we will look at the objectives of the code, common definitions used in the industry, feedstocks that can be used, best practice for production, handling and packaging, the different grades under the code and their uses, as well as achieving ANSBIG certification. And to help us discuss the topic, we have Nigel Murphy, our chair, who is passionate about developing a strong biochar sector in Australia and New Zealand. He is the founder and director of Earth Systems and Cyclic Carbon, companies that have been actively innovating and commercializing technology in the green tech, clean tech sector over the last 25 years, including biochar. Um, his biochar experience covers product development, IP protection, capital raising, commercialization and market development. He has degrees in environmental and earth sciences and experience in working in Australia, China, Southeast Asia, Africa, and the Pacific. He has provided technical advice to companies, governments, financial institutions, and aid sector in environmental science, clean tech, and the environmental management. He is an honorary life member of the Environment Institute of Australia and New Zealand, and was the founder chair of the Certified Environmental Practitioner Scheme for Australia and New Zealand. And he is currently the chair of Victorian Clean Tech Cluster. Welcome, Nigel. Thanks, Don. Um, so first, uh, first question, Nigel, why did you want to develop this code and what, is, what are its objective? What's its objective? Yeah, look, Don, it's a, it's a good question. I, I, I think that the key reason is to give our stakeholders, um, and they are consumers, regulators and producers, uh, both guidance and confidence on how to safely and sustainably produce and use biochar in, in the Australian and New Zealand context. So that's the key reason. Okay, great. And um, I, I suppose from there, you you know, the objective of the code is, is really to succinctly convey uh, what producers and users need to do to achieve that safe and sustainable outcomes. 
And what are the, some of the right. key definitions that new stakeholders will need to familiarise themselves with? Yeah, look, I think that they're, they're, they're always, there's a, there's a few, few things that are, are important uh, in the code in terms of definitions. Um, obviously, uh, the definition of biochar is, is very important. And, you know, there are um, different definitions uh, in different parts, parts of the world. Um, uh, regarding biochar, I think we've chosen some pretty standard accepted uh, definitions of, of biochar. Um, probably one of the key ones is that it, it has to have an organic carbon content greater than 30% and a molar uh, hydrogen to carbon ratio uh, below 0.7. So that's, that, that's one key definition. Another, you know, important um, concept is the impurities and, uh, and uh, you know, potentially you can have good impurities in, in, in biochar, but here we've defined impurity as a potentially undesirable material um, found in, in, in the biochar or the biochar feedstock. And, and that compromises the quality or usefulness of the biochar. So that's a key, key definition. Um, another is, um, you know, the concept of processed versus unprocessed feedstock. So people are looking at a, at, at, uh, turning a lot of different biomass into biochar. So, and that can vary from totally unprocessed uh, wood or woody biomass through to, 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 um, to wood that's, uh, that's been turned into timber and uh, used as, uh, as timber or uh, biosolids or, uh, or other organic waste stream. So what we've tried to do is, is identify a distinction between processed and unprocessed because if material is processed, it's probably got a greater um, uh, greater probability of, 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 of getting impurities uh, or having impurities in, in that feedstock. So that's another important definition concept. And then um, a, a, another important part of the, the code or a vital part of the code is the sustainer is sustainability and uh, making sure that the feedstock is um, is from a sustainable source is is vitally important in this code okay so that sort of leads into the the next question Nigel which is uh, what will the sustainable uh, feedstock requirements be for meeting the code? Yeah, well, I think um, again that that you know in unprocessed feedstock, uh, you know the, the uh, say wood wood feedstock must be sourced from legally harvested wood that is not being harvested at a at a rate which is not sustainable. So um, you know. We need to make sure that we're not clearing forests to produce biochar. We're using material that's woody material that's produced in a, a, a sustainable fashion. 
And then I, th I think in, in terms of the, the other aspect of, um, you know, make reactive impurities such as plastics, rubbers, and, and some metals, uh, are, are, you know, they're undesirable impurities and we need to make sure that they are removed to the greatest extent possible. Um, same with things like like stones. We we need we need to make sure that the that um, that they are removed also to the uh, greatest extent possible. And some woody materials have can have um, uh, reactive coatings and timber treatments, um, including you know uh, copper chrome arsenic treatment. Um, and you know we should avoid. Uh, using those materials, uh, um, you know, in most circumstances um, to ensure that the quality of the biochar is, is safe and um, at a grade where uh, uh, um, safely uh, We just missed out on that last bit, Nigel. Uh, would you mind just repeating that that last little section there? Okay, well, that, I was talking there about um, making sure that uh, timber treatments, such as uh, you know laminate, laminates, glues, paints, varnishes, copper chrome arsenic, um, they are an issue. So we need to make sure that that is managed also in a, in a safe and sustainable way. Sure. Um, okay. Also, also important, Sam, is, the, um, is making sure that uh, uh, if we're producing a biochar which sequesters carbon, that the transport over long distances uh, for bio, biochar production is avoided and... Um, also important for sustainability is that we have good record keeping as mm. well. Great, thank you. And um, could you just outline the best practices when it comes to sustainable production of biochar? Yeah, look, I think, you know, <clears throat> the, uh, there are a number of production techniques for biochar. It's, um, usually in a, a pyrolysis or, or gasification environment. Um, but we, we need to make sure that they're uh, designed and operated to international standards so that, uh, and they must be applicable uh, to health, safety and environmental requirements in the place of operation. So that's number one, is that, you know, production must be according to the law of where it's being produced. The, the other thing, you know, what best practice is, is it's, it's also making sure that, um, you know, you're going above and beyond um, where, where you can. And um, so, you know, in the uh, production process, obviously a key thing is, um, not just ensuring that the biochar is a good quality, but ensuring that air emissions, uh, any emissions to water 
uh, are also um, not harmful uh, to the community and environment. And quite frankly, that's not hard to achieve. You know, um, it's uh, something that uh, their technology has developed, which can certainly uh, do that. So with production, best practices is, is, uh, is making sure that uh, the environment is looked after, but it's also, it's making sure that, um, you know, fossil fuels aren't used uh, uh, for heating uh, during uh, pyrolysis. Um, sometimes fossil fuels need to be used at the startup, but, you know, uh, it really, after that, the uh, production of biochar should be uh, self-sustaining. Um, and also it's making sure that the, uh, you know, that the, uh, the byproducts of, uh, say, pyrolysis process, which uh, uh, heat is one, uh, should be utilised. Um, so we need to make sure that uh, when we are producing biochar, we're, we're utilising all the, all the good things that uh, can be uh, produced. Well, I think another aspect of, uh, of uh, important in uh, production is, is keeping good records of, of production. So making sure that, it's, uh, that record keeping is done in a professional manner and uh, that uh, each, each batch of biochar, it's, it's, it's known you know, when it was produced and uh, what feedstock it was produced from and, uh, and, and making sure that there's, uh, uh, there's good quality assurance and, and verification. Thanks, Nigel. Um, so that's the production side of things. So could you talk to the, the best practices for sustainable use and, and the different grades of the biochar under the code? Yeah, well, what we've done, Don, is we've set up, we've set up four grades uh, for biochar. And they really reflect the, um, the source of the biomass that is, is used to produce the biochar. So our first grade is a premium grade. And, you know, that, that's a, a grade which has very, very few impurities. And, um, you know, that grade, uh, is suitable for uh, for feeding to uh, to to livestock, as well as other agricultural uh, purposes. So it's a very very pure uh, biochar, and you know really that can only be produced from uh, um, uh, a feedstock which is which is um, untainted. Um, uh, woody or, or uh, woody biomass type material. So that's what we've defined as a premium grade. And then we've, we, we split that premium grade into high and medium and low carbon because different feedstocks have different carbon content. So for example, um, rice straw has a, has a very different uh, carbon content to wheat straw. 
um, rice straw has a high higher silica content. Um, so, so we do also identify different carbon levels uh, because obviously the carbon level is important for the sequest sequestration of, of carbon. Higher carbon sequesters more, more carbon. So, uh, and then we've, we've, after that, we, we, we identified a standard grade and the standard grade is um, biochar that's more suitable for uh, general agricultural ap application. Again, uh, impurity levels are very low in this material. But we've also recognised that, uh, that there's also biochar can be produced from uh, things like biosolids, which is the uh, solid fraction of, uh, um, of uh, sewerage treatment. And um, those biosolids uh, can produce very good biochar. Um, and, um, but it might, may, not, uh, may not be suitable, well, it's unlikely to be suitable for animal feed. It might have high me higher metal content, for example. But some of those uh, biochars could be used for other purposes where, um, you know, the, the uh, um, safely used. So, for example, um, in bitumen, uh, there's a lot of carbon that's uh, that's uh, used in in in. Uh, uh, bitumen and uh, a lot of that carbon comes from fossil fuels and potentially that could be re replaced by um, biochar uh, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the uh, lowest impurity biochar um, to be used safely. So, so we've identified two other industrial grades of biochar um, that are suitable for use in more industrial applications such as uh, for asphalt or concrete, um, those types of applications. Great. And um, what are you proposing for best practice when it comes to the packaging and handling of biochar and why is that important? Yeah, that's identified in the code. So, uh, you know, biochar is a carbon is a carbon material, and uh, it's produced in, in under uh, high temperatures. So, it's important that um, that any fire risk is 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 eliminated is completely mitigated. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, one way of doing that. is to fully quench the biochar in, in water uh, immediately after production um, to reduce that risk. So, so handling is really important to ensure that uh, um, risks are appropriately managed. And, you know, we recommend that um, all producing sites must have a, um, a, site, a, a site safety analysis and, and risk assessment and um, have all the appropriate safety uh, health and safety documentation. And uh, obviously in Australia and New Zealand, that's a, a legal requirement as well. So, so 
you know, the the the, uh, the safety side is 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 a, is a very very key uh, element. Um, and then, you know, with packaging, it's important that the packaging is uh, is done in a way that provides our our users and consumers with uh, uh, clear and straightforward uh, information about the product. So, um, you know, we need to, to make sure that uh, uh, if there are any, any, you know, hazards associated, if there's very fine particles or dust particles, that uh, that's communicated. Um, if someone's certifying under the code, then the grade of biochar and where it's produced is important. People want to know where their where their biochar was produced, um, type of feedstock, you know, what material was used to produce the biochar, and also importantly, the carbon content is another aspect that you know must be conveyed um, to 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 uh, to consumers. So. So that's, again, that's another uh, very important part of the code. Yeah, great. And I think it really um, doesn't leave anything for chance or these, these measures that are, that are in the code. It allows it to be very precise and, you know, something that people can just follow step by step. And then, the, like you said, the consumers and the users, um, they know how their biochar has been made. Um, the carbon content, like you said, and everything's very clear and, and open. Exactly, Sam. And, you know, one other element with the code is that uh, it won't be static. Uh, we will continue to improve the code as we, as we move forward and as we get feedback from uh, producers and users and regulators, we will, we will try to, you know, incorporate that feedback into the code to make it uh, a better document. Great. Uh, so, Nigel, the, the code's uh, uh, been in a draft form for a period of time now and up on our website and we've been getting getting feedback from uh, different stakeholders. And um, uh, I understand we're sort of getting into the final stages of, of releasing the final code. Um, and uh, I just wondered, as far as uh, once it's ready, uh, when we talk about certification, what what will a producer need to do to achieve the ANTBIG certification? And how do you see that sort of rolling out in, in Australia and New Zealand? Yeah, look, you're right, Don. You know, we are in the sort of the final stages of uh, it's obviously... There's been a lot of uh, uh, consultation and a lot of input into the code. It's a it's a very important document. Um, it's important that you know the producers of biochar uh, 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 see it as a uh, a document that they can use, and also important that you know um, uh, our other stakeholders. Um, uh, see the contents as 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 being addressing their needs. So I think that the um, the goal obviously we put the code out, uh, but the the goal will be that uh, producers will want to certify their product in accordance with the code. They'll want to be able to uh, 
identify, well, this is premium grade biochar, or this is a standard grade biochar. And, you know, that they will provide that, uh, that information on their, on their products and they will get that um, certified. Um, so it's obviously, it's a voluntary code, but hopefully uh, producers will see the benefit of, of being certified and, you know, consumers will, will see the benefit of buying certified products. So it's like all certification programs, it will start, it will start small, but um, if we produce something that is, is valuable for the stakeholders, it should grow. And uh, so initially with the certification program, you know, we will, we will uh, trial the program with, uh, with producers um, to make sure that, you know, they're able to achieve what the code uh, has outlined. And uh, maybe there'll be a little bit of feedback that comes from from that process that will will will, uh, um, will flow back into the code. But I mean that's that's important. We need to ensure that we produce um, the best document, best code that we can um, to help uh, grow and develop the biochar sector in Australia and New Zealand. It's an important product. And you know we need to to make sure that we uh, give our stakeholders confidence regarding the quality of that product. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And you've okay. been um you've been in the the biochar game, I suppose, for a, a long time, Nigel. And you must have seen um, it develop quite a lot over the years in Australia and New Zealand. How do you feel? Um, you know, what are the hurdles of biochar being fully accepted into the industry from maybe when you started to now? Um, and how do you see biochar production rolling out moving forward? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And I could probably, uh, we could talk on this, Sam, for, for half a day. Um, yeah. But I, look, I think, you know, it's probably three main hurdles, I think. Number one is just momentum. It's always hard to get a new product out there. And I often talk about, well, most of our carbon is from fossil fuel yeah, that we use. So most of it is generated from oil and gas production. And carbon is in hundreds of products. You know, you, you wouldn't believe how many products. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of products that have a, um, you know, your black laptop, ex for example, has carbon to, to give it the, that colour. Um, uh, you know, uh, there's an activated carbon market, which is a multi-billion dollar market. There's a carbon black market, which is a multi-billion dollar market. And a lot of that is, is based on fossil fuel inputs. So the thing with biochar is that it's a it's a carbon input that is sustainable or potentially sustainable if done right, and uh, <clears throat> it's a potentially a competing product to you know some applications of activated carbon, um, even some applications of carbon black, 
but it also has particular properties that are, uh, you know, unique to biochar. So there's potentially some we'll find. So, so I think um, like any new product, it takes time to develop those applications. And if you look at the history of carbon black and the history of activated carbon, you'll see that it's taken time for those sectors to grow and the applications of, of the product to be found. So I think momentum is a, is a hard thing. And, you know, we know also know with ANSBIG that, um, you know, we live in a very regulated society and, uh, um, government moves incredibly slowly. So, you know, to, to get biochar up there and people listening and um, moving with, with biochar um, just does take time. So that's one hurdle that we've had. The second hurdle, which is probably related to that hurdle, is supply. Because, the you know, the market is not um, clear-cut, and well-developed. And it's hard raising capital and building a plant if they are unsure that there's a market there. So it's almost like a bit of a catch-22. So if there's no supply, then who's going to use the product? If they can't get you know, a guaranteed supply at a, a reasonable price, then, uh, then that limits the uh, the growth of the biochar market and then i think probably the third the third element is biochar is looked upon pretty much as one as one thing um, if you look at activated carbon there's hundreds of different grades of activated carbon different properties size um, activation levels under a number of different measurement techniques. Um, so biochar should be char characterized in, at, with different properties for different applications, you know, whether it be for um, livestock feed or whether it be agricultural or whether it be industrial use. So the code is going some way to trying to address some of those issues of specification and grades of biochar. But if we're here in a decade's time, we'll be, we'll be amazed at how many different grades of biochar and, you know, the specialty uses uh, that are there. So I think that they're probably the three main things mm. there. Great. And would you say that, like, um, people just knowing about the uses of biochar as well and the different applications and the different ways it can be used, like you just said, people maybe understand that activated carbon can be used in so many different ways now. Maybe there's um, a bit of education um, that needs to go into, hey, this is biochar, this is how it's made, and these are all the ways that it can be used. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, uh, there's a strong education piece right across the society, um, uh, you know, so that people are looking at the at the opportunities of biochar. But I think we're getting there. I think we are getting there. And more and more people are hearing the name. Um, and uh, the reason why we're getting there is, is, you know, partly all the hard work that people are doing across the industry um, to show that 
biochar is a valuable product and uh, it can be used and you know uh, in many ways and that it is a more sustainable product than uh, fossil fossil fuel fossil fuel produced carbon so I think that that message is is starting to uh, uh, to hit home um, but we you know and there are a lot of projects on the Definitely, there's a lot of projects on the drawing board to produce uh, to produce biochar. So uh, I'm very excited and enthused by the the future. To be honest, Sam. Yeah, that's great. I mean, like as a as a biochar uh, producer yourself, um, I can imagine it being an exciting time to be seeing how biochar and there is that even though you said that momentum is one of the hurdles there seems to be the beginnings of a, a momentum of needing to find different ways to be able to help with a lot of issues that we have in the world and biochar being one of those things that can really help a cross sector of different things that's going on and um yeah i i suppose you know as um a producer yourself like how do you see it rolling out in australia and new zealand yeah, look, I think, um, uh, I th well, I think that, you know, production will increase and uh, I think that that will lower the price of biochar and that will mean that new new markets will be found. Um, you know, we've been in the, uh, the period of the, the true believers um, and uh, we need to move beyond that. Um, so that it's a, uh, it's a product that's um, uh, recognised for what it can do and what it can't do. So, you know, biochar can't do everything, but it, it certainly is a very useful, uh, useful product. And, um, and I think that, um, I think it's going to grow. And uh, uh, I, I think uh, there's a lot of people interested in putting uh, capital, finding homes for uh, good, sustainable investments. Um, so there's a lot of money turning away from certain things and trying to find homes in, in, uh, in, in good, sustainable developments. And I think biochar is one of those. So I think, um, I think the, future, the future looks bright, but what we have to do is make sure that it's done in a good way. So we don't want rogues and cowboys producing biochar unsustainably, using feedstocks that shouldn't be used, producing poor quality uh, biochar. Um, so that's where the code comes in. Thanks, Nigel. Look, and, and finally, our, our theme for this podcast series and our annual uh, conference, coming up uh, is biochar and the carbon drawdown decade. And um, we've just had an update from the IPCC report, um, which uh, uh, now, now is uh, saying there's really a sense of urgency and that the 1.5 degree mark uh, may well be then hit, reached in, in the 2030s. Um, we thought it was uh, more 2050. Um, so finally, how can the code help with an increase in, in carbon drawdown, do you think? 
Yes, uh, Don. Well, that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty important, isn't it? And the, uh, <laughs> you know, there is a sense of urgency, and you know, I can can certainly see, um, you know, that that urgency is is probably translating more into action than what it's what it's ever done. Um, and I think what the code can do is, uh, like, firstly, it has to give confidence to consumers to buy and use biochar. So that's one. Two, I think it, it needs, we, you know, we live in a very regulated world in Australia and New Zealand, and there's a lot of reasons for that, to protect the environment, to protect health and safety. But we need to give regulators confidence that, to approve uh, biochar production facilities. I think that that's critical for us to uh, grow that carbon drawdown from uh, from biochar. Um, and biochar is a wonderful carbon drawdown product because not only does it sequester carbon, but it actually utilizes. Uh, it can be utilized for, for for different purposes. So when it's used in agriculture in the soil. It's sequestering carbon, but it's also improving uh, the soil. So uh, biochar is a fantastic product there. So we, we want regulators on site basically say, seeing that, you know, um, biochar production is a good thing, uh, fundamentally a good thing, if it's done in the right way. And um, that's what the code is, is trying to outline. And then three, I think, is uh, those people that, you know, that are looking at financing um, uh, good, good things, uh, producing a, a carbon source, which is non-fossil fuel, um, then they should get behind uh, uh, biochar production and help uh, uh, facilitate a, a biochar future. Great. Thanks, Nigel. We'll, look, we'll, we'll wrap it up. They're doing it. And so uh, what's, the, what's the best way to provide feedback uh, on the code if, if it's uh, still open? Um, look, I think that the, the best way to provide feedback, Don, is to um, probably by email. And yep. that email is to, uh, to Anne's big, um, maybe marked code of practice. So um, get onto the uh, Ansbig website and uh, email Ansbig um, with, uh, with 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 your thoughts. And we're, we're you know we want to hear from all stakeholders on uh, on on um, you know what they think of the code as it is now and how it can be improved. Right. Thank you. Um, thank you, Sam, uh, our cluster manager co-hosting today and all the viewers and listeners for joining us. Um, we hope you found it valuable. And so this interview is going to be uh, uploaded into the Ansbig's uh, Vimeo uh, and uh, YouTube channels. And uh, also you can subscribe to the Biochar podcast uh, on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. So up next week at the same time, same channels, is the vice chair of Ansbig. Peter Burgess, Managing Director of Rainbow Beater, who will talk to the topic of biochar technology in protected cropping. 
and that's going to be under our topic area food fiber and recreation so thanks again nigel and uh we'll see you soon thanks don thanks sam thanks Nigel. Good to be involved charles